From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are uh, head of the guru department, Steve Tassie. Hello. And Kristen Travis. Hello. It's the last Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. It's time for Guru Voodoo. Now, way back in episode three of our first season, we did an episode called Party of Two, which is about groups of two players who want a party game. But what if you got three players? Three, as a lot of us in the whole game biz know, is a tricky number. You can't do two-player stuff like Guess Who or Word on the Street, and you can't do stuff that requires at least two teams like Crane Aim or Taboo, and you can't do group games like Balderdash or Cash and Guns. But before we get to the voodoo, let's actually talk a little bit about three-player games generally. Guys, do you have any three-player games that you're especially fond of? Um, well, nothing that's exclusively three-player. Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't played Trifecta or Tri- Trieste, Trist, like, Trieste, yeah. Yeah. Or, or Maria. Um, one. You know, but there are certainly tons of games out there that uh, play for three or more that I am very fond of. Um, some of my favorites for three... Marrakesh, um, uh, No Thanks, Colorado. Um, if I'm looking for something heavier, I'll do a Puerto Rico hmm. uh, or a La Havre. Uh, although for me, La Havre is best at two. So a lot of uh, a lot of sort of usual suspects there with uh, popular games. How about you, Kristen? Do you play three players very often? Uh, not very often, but when we do, we play a lot of things like Dominion or Ticket Ride Nordic Countries, which is hmm. a specific two three-player map of Ticket to Ride. Yeah, that uh, was... That, for a long time, Ticket to Ride players had a bit of a rough time and it was just two or three of them. Nordic Countries was a real godsend. Oh, yeah. I really, really like that. It's actually my favorite of the series. Mm. Uh, and we also play a lot of um, of Castles of Burgundy three players as well. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're the, probably, probably the world's biggest Stefan Feld fan, so no surprise <laughs> the Castles of Burgundy turns out there. Do you think Castles of Burgundy is better with three than it is with uh, other numbers? Oh, it's just good however you play it. (laughs) (laughs) So what makes a game work especially well with three? Is there anything in particular about games that make them work well three-handed? I think um, games where you're um, being kind of nasty to each other. So Poison and Colorado, no thanks. These are games that um, you're, you're just... Every move you make is going to screw one of your opponents, uh, and, and I like that feature. Importantly, though, the scourge in those games is all indirect. Yes. If it, that, I get to do something that, that, that makes the situation inconvenient for one of the other players, but I don't actually get to directly attack them. Well, yes. a big problem with three-player games is if you are attacking, mm-hmm. taking down another player often tends to help the other player, mm-hmm. the one that you're not attacking, so... Yeah. Every three-handed game of Risk ever plays exactly the same way. It plays like this. Player A attacks player B, player C wins, game over. Yeah. And uh, so a game with too much interaction, uh, that's not going to work so well. But something with more subtle interaction, like what you we were talking about, or kind of uh, games that designers like Stefan Feld will create, very much uh, well-suited to three-player games. Uh, you mentioned Dominion, Kristen. Uh, I think uh, deck-building games also often tend to work especially well with three. And um, you mentioned Lahav, Steve. I think that uh, worker placement games tend to work very well with three players. Yeah. So, all right. Let's take a look at our group of three here. These are people who like Taboo. They like Cranium. They like Pictionary. Are there more or less options for them than for the party of two that we talked about in our 
previous episode? Mm, mm. Slightly more? Kind of? Yeah, probably. Mm. Well, although you do lose all the exclusively two-player options. Yeah, you lose Guess Who, <laughs> which is one that often sort of comes out in that sort of the case. Um, you lose Word on the Street. Um, there's, there's, there's a fair number of the, the sort of two-player things. Any of those uh, simple two-player abstracts. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, those, those are all dead. Because uh, you can play them two-handed, but not three-handed. And usually, uh, in some of those cases, if you introduce a fourth player, you can sort of kind of play in teams. But not so much with three. Well, okay, so if we're going to go with you know, the, the, the party game style of thing, there are definitely more games that will work with three than will work with two. Um, you have something like, say, Last Word. I think you, you can play Last Word with two players, right? Yes. Yeah, you can. That's, that's, that's one of those like, categories. You get a card that'll give you a letter and another card that gives you a category, like Breeds of Dogs or something. And everybody starts yelling out words that start with that letter and fit that category. And whoever's the last word gets the point. So that, that works just as... Is that better with three or better with two? I'd say better with three. Uh, I think it's one that gets better with more people up to a certain point. Right, once, when beyond, you get like six. <laughs> yeah, once it, you go beyond a certain number, it's just too chaotic. But I think it's better with three than it is with two, and probably better with two four has, than it is with three. Two has a great back and forth, hmm. but like the more brains you add, if one person gets tongue-tied and can't think of anything, there's still interaction. Yeah. So there's a strong candidate. Uh, headbands. That's fine with three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically just 20 questions, so it's still okay. Uh, Five-second rule. The one where you get a card which gives you a category of thing and you have to name three examples of it in five seconds. Like yep. three brands of cleaning product in five seconds. Go. Um, do you think that's better with two or three or does it matter really? Again, I think that's another one that gets better with more to a point. Mm. And for the same reasons, I guess, more stuff getting yelled out. And then you get your speed games, stuff like Spotted and Ghost Blitz and uh, you know, that sort of thing. The, the, the typical breadstick games that will bring out to test people's speed. And um, again, th- th- I guess the number of players doesn't really matter that much there, does it? Not, Not really. those, no. no. And, and, and they're, they're so quick and zippy that they do feel kind of like party games, even though in some ways they're not. Um, Absolutely. So Jenga then. You know, your dexterity against Jenga, riffraff, stuff that involves balancing things or not letting them fall over, animal upon Hamster animal. Hamster roll. Hamster roll, absolutely. Talk, talk, woodman. Mm-hmm. Uh, better with two, better with three. Um, I think, again, those it, ones, pretty much any number. Those ones are pretty the same. I mean, obviously yeah. not riffraff, which has maxes out at four, mm-hmm. animal upon animal that does the same, but the talk, talk, woodman, kerplunk, these physical games, they really any number of people can play them. I think Jenga actually suffers with more than two. Because when uh, with two players, it's pretty obvious who won, right? True. Who knocked over the tower? The other player won. And uh, three-handed or more players playing Jenga, who was, okay, one of you knocked down in the tower. Who There's won? a loser, and everyone else wins because well, they I guess get the point. It's a loser. Bad thing. I mean, I like that in cockroach poker, so yeah. I suppose I could like that in Jenga too. So, You're clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> the pointing and laughing thing is so much more powerful in a game where there's only one person who lost, isn't it? So I also found, this is actually going to be really useful. I don't know if you guys do this. I discovered a trick you can use with games like Catchphrase or Time's Up or Taboo, which are typically played uh, team against team uh, to make them work with three players. Just uh, you, you guys know Catchphrase, right? Yes. Okay, so to bring our audience up to speed. And Catchphrase, <clears throat> uh, it's sort of a hot potato game. There's this buzzer in the middle of the table that's beeping, and it goes faster and faster and faster, and eventually goes, eh, and you don't want to be holding the hot potato when the thing goes off. 
And so the people are divided up into teams and they're sitting around in a circle. And when you're holding this device, you have to get somebody on your team to say the word that's showing on there. So it says potato. I have to say, all right, it's a root vegetable. It's brown. It's you peel it. It's a farinaceous tuber. <laughs> as soon as somebody says potato, I get to pass it to the person on my left and they press a button and now there's a different word on it. And now it says Dalmatian. And okay, it's a Disney movie, 101. You know, as soon as they say that, pass it to the next person. As long as your team isn't holding it when the buzzer goes off, you're fine. Now, with three players, that shouldn't work, but here's what you do. You, uh, you, you, just, you just do exactly the same thing, same rules, but whenever the buzzer goes off, uh, the person who is holding it and the person on their left, who's the one they're trying to get to guess, lose that round. And the other person scores a point. You know, whenever you're holding this thing, you have to get the person on your left to guess whatever it is. And you get it, you pass it, and they're trying to get the person on their left to guess. So it keeps going round and round and round. And whoever's not involved in one of these exchanges, that's the one who scores a point when the buzzer goes off. That's really smart. I've actually never thought of that. Do you ever had any? Yeah, this is the thing. This happens to me pretty often. Having three player groups who want to play that sort of a game, and it works with taboo as well. Yeah, I recommend three player catchphrase a lot. It's, it's, I've always avoided it. Very similar to yours. Why have you guys not told me this before? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a guru secret. Um, but wait a minute, you, Kristen's a guru. Why uh. didn't Why didn't we tell her? Uh, she was off having a baby. Oh, that's right. That's right. You were breeding. Okay. <laughs> Um, and t- uh, Time's Up, that's another one that uh, is typically played in pairs, but you can do it with three using that little cheat. But uh, what if they want to play a who did what game, like a Balderdash or Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity or Dixit? Is there any way you can make that work? Well, there's, um, there's the fix for Cards Against Humanity with uh, Rando Calrissian. Um, oh, the, she use him anyway, though. The uh, Each of the two players who isn't the judge for the round contributes a card, and then so does the deck. And uh, then the judge shuffles the cards, reveals them all. If one of the players' entries is chosen, they score a point like normal, and if Rando Calrissian's uh, entry is chosen, everyone should just stop playing the game, because the game was funnier than you were. You'd be um, surprised how often that ha- that happens. No, like the no, random one is hilarious. I don't think many of us who have seen it played night and night that would be all that surprised by it. But uh, yeah, it seems like the who did what style game, which is so popular, is just not workable with three. You know, you go to play Balderdash. There's a real definition. There's the one you wrote, and there's a fake one, and there's really not much between them. Yeah. A new game query uh, also falls into that same category. Mm. It's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's um, it's Balderdash, but with uh, Google autocomplete search uh, queries. Right. So uh, you know, it'll give you a phrase. What was the first? And then everyone writes down what they think uh, Google might suggest as a search topic. What was the first movie ever made? What was the first guy who drank milk thinking? You know, whatever. (laughs) And then we find out what uh, the actual result was. Yeah. Well, there's one other option you can try in a case where you've got three players who usually play party games and they're looking to have some fun. And that is that if they usually play party games, they're probably usually playing with larger groups. So they might not get the chance to try non-party games all that often. So this could be an opportunity to broaden their horizons, introduce them to some other categories of games. You know, word games, strategy games, family games, kids games, trivia games, anything, really. Um, if you're going to try to broaden the horizons, you've got a group of three, what do you bring them? Uh, I tend to go for Tiki Topple, Hey, mm. That's My Fish, Chicken Cha-Cha-Cha, kind of, 
That one's great. I really wish they'd bring Tiki Topple back into print. Corridor. Magic Labyrinth. Um, what else do I do for three? Uh, Carcassonne? Yeah, Carcassonne yeah. sometimes. Although, if they're really used to party games, there are a couple of aspects of Carcassonne that tend to go over some people's heads. So I won't always use that as a, as a first level. Yeah, I usually uh, leave the farmers out the first time. I do too. Um, but uh, we talked about Splendor a while ago, and that, I think, is an excellent three-player introductory game. Um, and uh, also, going to number three, Three Little Pigs, for me, is a terrific one. It's got that, they've got those adorable pink dice that you roll to build houses made of straw and wood and brick. I mean, there's a lot going on there, and, uh, but it's easy enough that they can get started. And it's silly enough that party game players can feel at home and like the, like the emotional stakes aren't, oh, God, I can't fail. You know? uh, poison. Rainer Knizia's Poison, yeah. uh, also available under the name Baker's Dozen. Hmm. Um, slightly different version, but same game. I find uh, good for people who are familiar with games like Hearts, because hmm. it has a lot of similarities, um, but it's different enough that you're not just handing them a deck of cards and saying, hey, play Hearts. That's another really interesting sort of uh, situation with where, where the number of players really matters. People who play Hearts and Euchre and Bridge, these trick-taking games, four is pretty much the hard... The magic number. It has to be four players, right? So they've only got three. Having stuff like No Thanks and uh, Poison Around that you can use are really, really handy. There's actually one game that I know that is a trick-taking game that is specifically for three players, and that's Haggis. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and, but they added two-player rules as well, but it's a three-player game. Yeah, yeah. Is it one of those games where they've, they've included a two-player variant, but nobody should ever use it ever? So I hope you found this an interesting look into what you can do when you have fewer people than you usually do for your party game needs. Uh, if there's a game guru present, then of course they're probably going to try to broaden your horizons, introduce you to other kinds of games. And there's a lot to enjoy out there, no question. But if you do want to kit, kit with, with, uh, with, your comfort zone, with your comfort zone, there are actually options, a few of them at least. You still have to pour in a little bit of surgery on them. Pay attention to the number of players suggested on the box. When you're <laughs> three people... Don't grab a game that says it's for two. Don't grab a game that says it's for four or more. Get something that says three or more, and your odds are vastly improved of having a good time. Absolutely. The uh, So often I'll see people thinking that they have to shoehorn uh, an, a, a weird number of players into something. Oh, well, I can just watch, or oh, we can play teams. There are so many games out there. That uh, and, and, and somewhere there is something that will work beautifully with the number of players that you have. Don't sell yourself short. Don't play something that's designed for a number of players that you don't actually have there. Yeah, you don't don't have partner to. up. Don't sit out. Get a game for your number of people. That way everybody gets to have fun. Yeah. Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to enjoy the game rather than having to sit back you know, not really do much as part of a team or not play at all, which is saddest of all. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, uh, we'll, listen to, we'll see you next time. I'm Jonathan, with Steve, and Kristen. Game on. Game on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.